everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's talk a little BYU football. Let's jump out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local availability. Uh, Joining us now, of course, our BYU insider. Uh, Check him out, uh, Pendleton Performance. He's our friend Jordan Pendleton. What's going on, Jordan? How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing, man? I'm terrific because football is being played, Jordan, uh, and that makes me happy because that wasn't always uh, uh, going to happen. So uh, I'm I'm excited that uh, we have you on to talk about BYU football games uh, because they're they're a really good team. Yeah, no, I I'm I'm with you on that one. It's, I'm glad to have football back. It's exciting that uh, Utah is is going to be able to play as well, hopefully soon. So. Good to have football back, and yeah, BYU is man. They're looking good this year, so it's been it's been fun and it's been exciting to watch. Well, let's uh, real quick here, Jordan. Let's talk about the big news of the day because it became official. BYU will play Boise State still this year. It'll be on November seventh. It's it's basically the previous scheduled game. Uh, the Mountain West uh, had kind of a, a weird buy on its hands because Air Force is is going to play Navy, and it looks like uh, that it'll work out really well to get BYU another uh, another really good game, and that's terrific news. Yeah, no, it's it's great news, especially with you know the scheduling this year. It's been really weird. Um, just, just in general, you know, playing our first game against Navy, and then I think we had two two weeks off after that, and then playing Troy, and and you know, it's it's it'll be exciting to have, you know, especially with how this BYU team looks right now and how they're performing. I, I know it's hard to tell um, based off uh, one who we've been playing, and then just with COVID and everything going on, you, you just you don't know how teams have been able to prepare how limited they've been, and uh, so it's, it's really hard to gauge just how good BYU is, but it'll be, you know, exciting to get a team like Boise State on the schedule and, and be able to go, especially later in November. Um, you know, it'll be it'll be fun to watch and see how we, you know, can match up against those guys. Let's get back to the topic of BYU playing well so far this year, and I know that uh, Zach Wilson and the offense get a lot of headlines because they always do. But uh, the defense has looked great so far through these two games. Yeah, the, the defense has looked awesome. Uh, you know, it's the first time in a while that, you know, for the past couple, several years, we just look like we haven't had a, an identity on defense. And you know, we just look, we look very physical. Um, we're, 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 we're running, like guys are pursuing to the ball. We're getting pressure on the quarterback. Um, you know, our, our, our DVs are making plays. They're, they're making great tackles. They're also making plays out in space. So it, it's been kind of a, exciting to finally see that defense click and come together. And, and the biggest thing is just, you know, both sides of the ball, offense and defense, it's been the first time in, in a while that I've seen BYU actually look like it has an identity on both sides. And, you know, a lot of that is experience, and especially on the offensive side of the ball. 
you know, a lot of these, you know, Zach Wilson and, and some of these receivers he had, there was a lot of guys that were freshmen a couple of years ago when they were first playing. So just them getting that experience together over the last couple of years has gone a long way. And, and um, you know, the offense and defense have both been looking really good. So overall, pretty solid BYU team we're seeing so far. Talk about the linebackers specifically um, because, uh, you know, there's – the the defensive front of Kairos Tonga get a lot of headlines and they should because they're playing really well but they you know them playing well makes a linebacker's job easier I got to imagine. Yeah, anytime you guys, anytime you have those big down linemen that can that can two gap and they can clog up those holes, it makes it really does make the linebackers job very easy. You know, I, I was fortunate to play with some some good, you know, nose tackles and some good DNs. And, and it really does, um, you know, especially in that style of defense, if you can control the line of scrimmage uh, and not let those guys get to the second level to block, then it, it really makes the job a lot easier for the linebackers. But with that being said, the linebackers still have to come up and make plays and they've got to be in the right spot and they've got to know what gaps to fill and, and they've got to take really good angles. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. So, um, you know, I, just across the board, they've, they've looked really good this year. And, uh, but, you know, you're, you're right, and I, I think a lot of people are right. It definitely helps when you've got that interior lineman that's, you know, just causing havoc, uh, in, you know, down in the trenches. Do you think it'll be tough to stay sharp as a team uh, going through this schedule of, of lesser competition? I mean, I don't want to totally downgrade teams like Houston, but, you know, Louisiana Tech there? They're they're they try, you know. Is it is it hard to uh, stay sharp uh, when uh, week after week it isn't necessarily the best competition? Yeah, you, you know, usually with a schedule like this, um, you, you could say that it would be hard. Um, but I think right now, guys are so excited to play, and you, you just don't know right now. I mean, from week to week, it could change. Um, you don't know when things are going to get shut down, when games are going to get canceled. Um, you know, we're seeing this week an NFL game just got postponed because guys were testing positive. So I think with the, the mindset of where a majority of football players are at right now is they're just grateful to play in any game. And, and so you, you, you just want to go out and make the most of your opportunity right now because at any moment a game could get canceled, the season could get shut down. No one really knows what's going to happen from week to week. And so I think any opponent at this point is, is someone that you should be able to like, be excited and, and, and get up for and, and prepare as hard as you can, because especially if you're a senior, because, you know, it, it's week to week at this point. And so any competition that you have and, and, and the opportunity to go out and, you know, display, you've got to take full advantage of it. And I think that's what BYU has done so far is they've taken full advantage of the games that they've played in and, and they look like they've been preparing really well. Do want to ask you about the offense, Jordan, Jordan Pendleton with us, uh, 97.5 and 1280, the zone, how um, much credit should the offensive line be getting? Because they're, they're getting a lot of credit. You know, people are talking about it, which is somewhat of a rarity for that position, but how important are they to what they're doing on offense? Well, I think it's very important. You know, I I think uh, I can't remember it was, if it was the Navy. I think it was the Navy game where we had over 200 yards rushing and over 200 yards passing, which, you know, just that balance, especially on a tough team like Navy, who, who usually is, 
very physical and plays really hard. And then to see Zach, uh, you know, come back and have a very good game against Troy, I think he passed for over 300 yards. Um, and, and our running game looks solid as well. When you can have both the running game and the passing game going, uh, it, it really makes it hard for a defense to be able to, to play against you. And in order to get that running game established, you know, that, that is, that's controlled at the line of scrimmage and the linemen play a huge part in that. Obviously you've got to have good running backs that can hit holes and, and get yards after, you know, when they get hit, be able to break tackles and get, get yards out uh, after contact, but be able to have Zach sit in the pocket and feel comfortable and, and know that he's going to have time to be able to hit his receivers, which he has, um, you know, they, they deserve a lot of credit because they've been doing it in the run game and in the pass game. And, and to see that consistently, you know, game in and game out is, is very rare. So they deserve a lot of credit. And, you know, we'll see. Obviously, competition could be part of that reason. But, um, you know, we'll see it once we play against some better teams. But overall, they've looked, they've looked awesome. All right, so uh, Austin and I have a random Bronco Mendenhall question for you because earlier in the show, uh, I'm trying to remember how we even got there, but we we were talking about Bronco and his celebration moments where you'd see these random glimpses that he was this kind of fun guy who uh, was really passionate and and in not in a like an intense way, but in a fun way because publicly he was so dry and and came off as not having a ton of personality but then you talk to all his former players and they just love him and said he had this real fun side that he never showed so our question uh to you is jordan who was the real bronco mendenhall <laughs> that's, that's a good question you know Bron- bronco is somebody that if you don't know him he he definitely comes off like that uh he, he can be very intimidating um but, you know, once you learn his sense of humor, he has a very dry sense of humor. Um, and if you understand it and you get to know him better, um, you know, he, he's, a, he's just a phenomenal guy. But, you know, his, his celebrations, as far as when he's celebrating, you know, it, it could be just as simple as him just putting a fist in the air. But he does it in a way that is, like, it's so sarcastic and – and, you know, we would all just laugh because you're right. Like, he doesn't show a lot of emotion like most, most coaches do or, or celebrate like most coaches do. But, you know, when you get the, the Bronco Mendenhall fist in the air that, you know, he's very excited. And um, Bron- Bronco's just a good dude. Um, he's, you know, he's very intense. He expects a lot out of you. Um, he is very, you know, he, he's a very intimidating person. It's like when you walk by and you want to make sure you're not doing anything wrong and that you're, you know, you're in the right spot and you're doing the right things. But, um, you know, once you get to know him, he's very personable. Um, he, he cares about you off the, off the field. Um, he's very smart. He knows everything about your family. Uh, he remembers all your family members' names. Um, he would ask, you know, how are Kirk and Brenda doing? Like, he, he knows everybody's name. That's one thing I've always um, respected about him is, is he cares just, you know, outside of the field. And he's very in tune with what all of his players are doing. And, um, very sarcastic, very dry sense of humor, and um, it, it takes getting to know him to kind of understand that. So I, he when he went to University of Virginia, Jordan, I I've got family from back there. I'm a Virginia Tech fan. I'm I'm very familiar with the with the area, and I was really torn on whether or not he would be successful because on one hand, recruiting that part of the country 
and recruiting at BYU are, are so significantly different. And he took his whole staff with him, and I wondered how they would be able to, you know, adapt to recruiting different players in a different part of the country. But then the other side of me thought, you know, UVA has always had talent. They've just always lacked discipline, and it's kind of a different— it's such a good public school that academics still matter, and it's, it's similar to BYU in some ways, too. So I was a little torn. But my question to you is, are you surprised he's had as much uh, success as he has at uh, Virginia? Oh, not at all. Um, not at all. I think I can, you know, speak not only for myself, but a, a lot of his former players. I mean, there, there was no doubt in my mind that he was going to go over and, and turn that program around. And I, I remember when he went over there, I actually um, coached Kapinga, my linebacker coach, who went over with him. He asked me to do a video for the team. And I was honored, but I, I made a video for the team that they showed in the team meeting. And I can't remember exactly what I said, but if you guys buy in to everything that this guy is teaching you and, and you just buy into the culture that he tries to create and that he's going to create, you guys are gonna you guys are gonna win a conference championship and it's just a matter of time. And um and, and I meant every word I said and you know, that was when they went over and they were just a, a, a two win team and so there was no doubt in my mind that he was going to go and turn that program around. I've, I've seen him day in and day out and, and what he brings every single day and the consistency that he brings, the leadership that he brings. And it, it really is special. Um, you know, this guy, we get done with a, with a game and it's, we're flying home. It's one in the morning and we're coming home from Florida State and there would be one light on in the airplane and it was Coach Mendenhall. And he, he would read a whole entire book on the way home and he would break down the entire entire game film on the way home. And he, he I mean, he, he's just a machine and he's nonstop. And so there was no doubt in my mind. And I, I know there was no doubt in a lot of other people's minds as well. It doesn't surprise me at all. Talking about the job Kalani's done at, at BYU, does does having this team this year, regardless of, of their opponents, you know, if they continue to play like they've played, will this kind of cement in uh, people's minds that Kalani's on the right track at BYU? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, you know, it's, it's definitely a weird year. It's going to be a weird year to to go off of. But I think the main thing that people want to see is is want, just BYU establishing a winning culture again. Um, you know, I think we can handle losses, you know, obviously. Like, um, I know some people have unrealistic expectations and they want a national championship and, you know, so on and so forth. But, I think the biggest thing is is just seeing the way that the guys are playing right now. Um, you know, they're playing with a lot of swag. They're playing with a lot of fun. Um, you, you can tell guys are, you know, getting after it. And like I said, it's the first time in, in several years where I've seen our team and I feel like we actually have an identity on offense. We have an identity on defense. And, you know, if, if we can get some good momentum and some good energy coming off of this season, no matter how weird this season is, um, you know, I think we got some good players in place, and and if they can keep this momentum going into the, you know future years, you know, so far I think Clowney's done a phenomenal job this year of everything that's been thrown at us with all the restrictions and and the testing and and you know everything that's going on with COVID. It's a, it, it could be a very difficult season to kind of not be able to to manage properly and and not be able to prepare properly. And I think, you know, seeing what he's done so far this year has been, it's been phenomenal to watch. And, and, you know, we, 
a new offensive coordinator that's only been there a couple of years. And so the offense looks like they're clicking pretty good and, and defense looks like they're clicking. So sometimes it takes a couple of years to establish, you know, what identity that Kalani is going to bring to the program. And I think right now it, it, so far it's, it's looked the best. So I, I by no means mean this to be a, any sort of political discussion, but I'm curious, you're not far that far away from being a player how hard would it be with these additional standards? I mean, we're talking about BYU. You know, honor code is already there, but we're now we're talking about standards of you know, uh, of not being as social and not being what is natural to being a college-aged person. And uh, I'm sure that the, there's leadership on the team that that is helping guide in in the the directions that the coaching staff is laying out. But I guess my question is, how hard would it be to be a college-age player? in these types of circumstances, it, it would be so hard. Oh, it, it, it would be ridiculous. Like, like you said, it's already enough, you know, being at BYU and, and I, I can't imagine, you know, especially when you're just trying to make sure that your games aren't even getting canceled and you, you want to do your part and you want to be safe and you want to make sure that, that, you know, if you get tested, it's not going to show a positive, but at the same time, you're, you're in college and you're trying to enjoy college life and you, you, you're trying to date and you want to hang out with, with the boys and you want to go out. And, and you know, I, I can't imagine just kind of feeling like you're handcuffed 24-7 and, and getting tested all the time and temperature checks and, and the whole nine. It, it would just be it, – it's miserable, you know, but, you know, they've done a looks like they've done a good job of managing it and keeping everybody excited about football still. And, and, and that's been the most impressive thing is just seeing how well prepared they've been and, and how engaged everybody is in, in what they're doing with the season. And, and even taking a couple of weeks off after that Navy game and still coming out against Troy and looking, you know, just as solid, um, you know, they've, they've done a very good job, but it, no doubt that it would absolutely suck to, be in their position right now. You know, it sucks for everybody, <laughs> quite frankly. But but they'll do it for their teammates, right? I mean, that's that's you know, Gordon and I have, have gone back and forth on these topics so many times, but that was one of the arguments that, that I was making was, you know, if we're actually talking about players being safe from the coronavirus, you know, the incentive to to be there for your teammates and behave appropriately, I mean that's that is huge in a locker room. I mean, I think that's a big argument for that you are thinking about the safety of, of these players because you're giving them an incentive to to stay on the straight and narrow because they want to play. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it definitely is. And, and you don't want to be the guy, you know, you don't want to be the weak link or be the guy that, um, you, you know, whether it's honor court, whether it's honor code or it's or it has to do with COVID, you don't want to be the guy that, um, you know, was irresponsible and went out and, um, you know, was, was, you know, put yourself in a position to, to, to test positive and then, you know, ruin it for your whole entire team. And it's the same with the honor code. You don't want to be the guy that is yeah. irresponsible and you're, and you're getting in trouble that way as well. So, you know, having both of those now, um, man, I don't, who knows what, what they're doing, but, um, yeah, it definitely, definitely want to be accountable to your teammates and make sure that one, you can keep, you can keep this thing going and, and, and two, that you're, you know, you're not going to affect the team by missing any games. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a weird year, though. Thank you, as always, Jordan. We we'll always look forward to our conversations. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, man. There you go. That's our friend Jordan Pendleton. Uh, check out uh, what he does with Pendleton Performance.
he's, he's doing a lot of good work there in the health science area. Um, great, uh, great conversation. Breaking BYU news. We got to it at the beginning of that, uh, of that chat. BYU will play Boise on December the 7th. That was made official today. I think that's November uh, 7th. Or, excuse me, November 7th. Uh, whatever. We got to wait for it, but not that long. It all, it all feels the same. It's 2020. <laughs> at some point before this awful year ends, they'll play. You know, I, I never thought that uh, time could go so slowly yet so quickly at the same time. Slowly in the sense that it feels like the year is qu- crawling by, but quickly in the sense that every day almost feels the same. So it's like, well, another Friday just ticked by. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. It, like it's October 1 today, and I feel like we're still in March. Pretty crazy. Yeah. October 1 today, 10-1. Happy birthday to my sister. Wow. My only sister. How about that? Yeah, she's great. Yesterday was my brother's birthday. Turning 22? She's turning uh, 20, let's see, uh, yeah, something right now. Is she the, the youngest? No, there's a, there's a boy younger than her. Oh, yeah? Five kids, I'm the oldest, one girl. How old's the youngest? Uh, <laughs> 21 this year, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, I knew that. Because uh, had the pleasure of dealing with the mission experience during yes. a pandemic, that's right. He went on yeah. a three-year mission, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right, because he came and went, and went again. That's right. Yeah. Left when he was 18, returned when he was 21, but there was some stoppages in between there as well. A little well, stop so. and go yeah. in there. Yeah, that's right. And I, then a I pandemic and here and there. <laughs> Poor kid. What a wild time, no doubt. All right, uh, we will get to more. Straight ahead, big thanks to Jordan Pendleton for jumping on with us. He's great. Uh, we uh, Let's get to uh, the wit stuff coming up next. We've got uh, some cuts to play. We'll take you through some sound. Kyle Whittingham had media availability today, and he hit on it. number of interesting topics, and uh, we will talk about it coming up next right here on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. How come all the pretty girls like you are taken, baby? I've been looking for someone like you to save me. Life's too easy to be so damn complicated. Take your time and I'll be waiting. Keep me in mind. Somewhere down the road, <laughs> Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We'll get to that later. Austin. Uh, we have some uh, breaking news from Dirk Facer of the Deseret News. Talking about uh, Pac-12 releasing the schedule. Uh, apparently they're going to do it on Saturday, according to our boy Dirk. He says, uh, let's see here. Where is he getting to that, Austin? I'm looking at it uh, in his Twitter. Oh, uh, I saw it in my timeline. Let me oh, good. real quick. Well, anyway, we'll, we'll try and verify that before we... Uh, it says here, an hour ago, Utes to officially open camp October 9. Expect to have a finalized oh, schedule on Saturday. On Saturday. Wouldn't that be the pac 12 of Pac-12 things to do when releasing a schedule? You know, except now that I'm reading his tweet, Jake, maybe he means a schedule of camp is expected to be announced Saturday. Maybe that's the case. Which is my fault. I thought it meant season schedule. I'd read it uh, similarly. Dirk, come on. No more amb- ambiguity in your tweets here. Well, friend. if they were to release it on Saturday, they, they would just... It would match with the Pac-12. It would, yeah. because why would you want some exciting, uh, you know, positive news that people could get worked up over? Let's put it on the weekend. I had heard that it would be Monday morning, Yeah, but we'll see. Anyway, whatever, as long as they're doing the schedule. As long as there as, is a schedule. As long as there's a schedule, then you can announce it the day before the game. I don't care. Oh, they're playing uh, right now, in fact. Hurry, <laughs> turn it on. I, I do not care. 
All right, uh, let's get to some sound. Kyle Whittingham had a press conference today or a Zoom thing or whatever we're calling media availability. And uh, he covered a bunch of stuff. And we're going to probably divide it into a couple segments here, but we're going to work through some of these cuts. Uh, let's start with kind of his opening thoughts and what we're expecting from the Pac-12 schedule-wise. Okay, uh, first of all, we're obviously elated that uh, we have a, a season to play and that we were, uh, you know, we're anticipating a – a six-game schedule with a seventh game uh, that will be uh, determined at a later time. Um, you know, our, our players are excited about it. Uh, they've been working hard and uh, really done a great job through this uncertain period of time that we've been in and, and really not knowing much uh, about whether or not we we're going to play for several months. And uh, they uh, handled that just right. And uh, it's, uh, you know, we've got a, a group that's very eager to get going and get, get uh, put the pads back on. I mean, it's been almost, a, you know, a, a year since we've had any real contact. And we had a tiny bit in spring one day. But, but uh, you know, we, we need to get, get going again. And so we will, uh, you know, look forward to starting camp, what the equivalent of fall camp, uh, next Friday, a week from tomorrow, and uh, get back out and get going. So, uh, just, you know, like I said, can't uh, tell you how excited we are to, to finally be able to, to uh, have a, a season to look to. And, and uh, you know, we don't know our opponents yet, uh, what order uh, or any of that type of stuff. But uh, we should find that out hopefully on Saturday. So, Witt, uh, and he touched on it a number of different times in his press conference, mentioned how they haven't been able to contact, practice, practice. Uh, I think Utah will be at somewhat of an advantage given that they've been able to work out in a limited capacity and, uh, you know, hit the weight room and do all those things. In fact, uh, and we may get to this later, but Witt mentioned that they got an extra cycle of weightlifting in, which is like an off-season is one cycle. So they did two in this uh, this year's off-season. So they've so. lifted as much weights as I have. Uh, except opposite maybe. of that. Yeah, except for They've done a lot, and you've done very little. I helped my neighbor uh, move sod last night. Okay. And uh, I was really getting after it. And they're like, wow, you, you must be in great shape. I said, well, when you do one thing a year, you can really this is, save this up. is it. Yeah, you can really so. conserve that energy to, <laughs> so. give, it, to give it your all. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I burn all my calories on one day a year. Well, let's go with this qu- uh, cut here as well, Austin, talking about the, the prep time and will there be enough of it. I think so, uh, particularly with the, the the fact that we've had uh, several months uh, where we've been able to get some things done on the field. We haven't been, you know, in any contact situations or anything like that, but at least we've been on the field and and uh, doing skill instruction and uh, fundamental and technique work. And so, I'm I'm confident that uh, our guys will be adequately prepared. Now, you know how we play is anybody's best guess, but but as far as the preparation time. Uh, I think it's uh, more than adequate for for what we've had. Now, I know a lot of schools in the Pac-12 have not had as much opportunity to uh, spend time with their players in the weight room, in the meeting room, on the field as we have. You know, there's been a handful. I think it's about 50-50. I think about half the schools have been able to do, you know, similar uh, routine to us, and then uh, probably half the schools have had very limited access. So, so, uh, you know, as far as our own situation, we feel like uh, we're in a good spot right now. And he should. And they are because they're going to have basically the same amount of time that they'd have for a normal camp. 
And so if his guys have been working and staying in shape and those sorts of things, uh, then they should be fine. It's the other side, as you heard Coach Witt allude to right there, the, where, you know, so the California, Oregon, you know, we're familiar with the schools there, half the league. Have, can't have cohorts. What is it? Isn't that the word, Austin? Cohorts? Yeah, it's the official term. Cohorts of more than six or something nuts. And Apparently basically... a, a really crusty, grumpy 99-year-old man on a porch in a rocking chair wrote it. Right. And you and your cohorts. So I've basically been able to do nothing. Zero. Nothing. Thou shalt not cohort. And I know that Gordon has extreme confidence in uh, 19, 20, 21-year-olds to actually continue to work as hard as they would under supervision at home, but I, I do not quite have the, the faith there. So let's play this next clip because Coach Witt talks about the, the start date, and I, I actually think he, he – well, let's just play it, and I'll get into it afterwards. Here, here's Witt's uh, thoughts on starting November 6th. Sooner the better for us because we, like I said, we've had a, a good dose of, of football, uh, although not contact, as I've said several times now. But but uh, we we feel like we're we were on track and in a good enough place that we could have certainly started the 31st. But uh, you know, I know there are some schools that were lobbying for for the 14th, uh, and so I think they hit that happy medium with the with the seventh and you know a team maybe two teams will start on friday night the sixth probably just one game uh two teams uh, one ball game on the sixth and then the rest of us will start on the seventh but but yeah to answer your question we would have been uh thrilled to be able to play uh, a week sooner than that we could probably even play two weeks sooner than that but but uh not everybody was in that same boat Whew, the 14th i mean my personal opinion the pac-12 is giving itself plenty of ramp-up time. I mean, it's October 1st. <laughs> it's over a month away. Right. I mean, it's, it's even more than your your traditional camp. And that's why it's being honest right there where he's like, we could have started two weeks earlier because they've been doing stuff. The, it's, man, the 14th, That that's a coach who, who was advocating for the 14th, and it, it sounds like there were multiple. But those are coaches whose players have been doing nothing. For the past six months. That's a good point. That Those coaches are like, my guys have done zero. Which we could probably deduce one or two of those. Uh, we could make some guesses. Yes. But that's that's a coach who's like, wow, my linebacker is supposed to be at 235 pounds is at 208. I saw him yesterday. And my uh, my defensive tackle who's supposed to be at 310 pounds is at 390. Saw him yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Saw both of him yesterday. <laughs> right. I mean it, that that tells me that there are some programs out there, and, and, and not honestly, not their fault, but have been doing nothing during this time. <laughs> Lots Zero. of quarantining. And, and I, you know, down at the at the very beginning, uh, you know, I remember uh, Joe Ingles talking about this with the Jazz, where they're they're doing Zoom workouts and these sorts of things, and it's like, oh man, that's not going to last forever. I, I too competed in the Olympics on Super Nintendo. I know you didn't. <laughs> I know you didn't watch the the South Park, uh, uh, the the pandemic special last night, Austin. I, it, it was it, it was amazingly hilarious. But it, it starts with Eric Cartman figuring out how to um, fake the teacher into thinking he's there in Zoom class when he's really not doing other things. Yeah, yeah. when he's doing other things. So I mean, I I can't uh, imagine. How many? Yeah, coach, I'll be there for that uh, that Zoom workout. Uh, yeah, I'll be right there. Oh, oh, I couldn't get reception. I don't know. I, yeah, you're I right. Well, when kids are on campus, they have to have uh, class attendance police assigned to the football and basketball players 
to make sure they're attending class. (laughs) They can't really do that when they're not on campus. And so, you know, uh, I... I'm teasing because Gordon and I have had this discussion uh, that, uh, you know, oh, they get those workouts in at home, and it just isn't It isn't the same. That's I mean, like, that, 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 a, that a college coach would be like, no, man, we need to the 14th. <laughs> we need a month and a half because my guys have done nothing. Get us that scared straight boot camp instructor from right. Mari. We I, need him. And here's the thing, and we're, we're talking about health and safety of the athletes, and if we're actually talking about it, then if they have been doing nothing for six months, then they need the time. Oh. They need the time to get ready. But Utah, Utah's been working. I mean, they've been there. So right. I, they don't need that kind of time to get ready. That reminds me, we spoke about mission already, but it reminds me of when I went on my, <laughs> on my mission and we got to the MTC and they had this 11-minute video of how to keep yourself physically healthy exercise some exercise uh-huh. routines that you can do right. in your apartment run run you chicken fat run or whatever exactly. that is yeah. and then they handed out this elastic band that was just cut from some industrial plastic sheet it was and you had to put it under your foot and then do curls uh-huh. with it and of course it snapped the third time that you right. did a curl and it hit you in the eyeball and, yes. but that, that was their exercise plan that's what uh, some schools maybe have been yeah, doing and, and looked and went, oh, we might need till the week before Thanksgiving before we start up here. Here's your giant rubber band. <laughs> you can do many. It's called resistance training. And you a sweat do- into the oldies DVD. <laughs> here's, your, here's your Richard Simmons sweat into the oldies. And, uh, uh, we no, got no, a not, master will send you. Not DVD. That's tape. A, VHS. a VHS tape. You're going to have to find a VHS player. That's your first assignment. <laughs> Yeah. But really, that's because you, the youths are like, let's go, let's play. Let's do this. This was announced, what, 13, 14 days ago? Right. And it's still going to be another, over another month, yeah. 35 days essentially before the first game. Which it, So good for Whittingham to not really just give us a company line there to oh, say, oh, no, we want to play now. No, he broke a little news there for sure. I mean, he, they compromised with the seventh, which is, you know, the system probably working. Um, but interesting that there were coaches out there lobbying for the 14th. And that that just has to be. I mean, Witt's not lobbying for that because his team's been here. So, I mean, that just tells me that uh, that um, the other states were serious about what they were doing. I mean, schools were, were not. I mean. They, did, they weren't cohorting. They weren't cohorting. They weren't doing that. So, yeah. Had they been, they'd be ready to go. I, I'm surprised Witt wasn't like, Chip, Chip didn't want to go till the 14th. <laughs> just naming people. <laughs> Let's call him Rip Kelly. <laughs> Chip didn't want to go, man. We would have gone two weeks earlier if it were up to me, but what could I do? Chip didn't want to go. And uh, David Fra and his guys. Huh? And that and that group, yeah, them up there. So there you go. We'll, we'll get to more clips coming up. Stay tuned. Like I said, uh, Kyle Whittingham covered uh, a lot of ground, so we'll get to more of it coming up next. Uh, don't forget that we've got Sam Amick at 4, of course, your NBA Daily Assist, Stuart Mandel at 5, and uh, Scott Goldbranson uh, will join us to talk a little Oakland Raiders. Have we got Gordon's pick yet? No, no response from Mr. Monson, no. So have we decided what we're going to do with Survivor Pool? Am I making Gordon's pick then? Uh, you, I think if we don't hear from Gordon, you'll make the pick. But I have some rules for you, so stand by. Some parameters? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because you know if I make the pick and, and he loses, there's going to be some pushback there. So I need to make sure that there's been somewhat of a uh, – a police force here to make sure that there's been rules made. That there's some standards upheld. You have to at least tow a line. Okay. Yes. All right. 
All right, stay tuned. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is the big show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The tradition begins with the airing of grievances. Big show, Gordon Monson, yeah, Jake. Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Was scorching hot baseball takes during the break. Scorching hot baseball Stupid takes. Stupid freaking Yankees moving on. Yeah, no, I can't Sweeping the, the Indians. Yeah, don't like the Yankees. See, Gordon, we got into this fan thing yesterday where he doesn't understand how you can root during a game because apparently it's it goes against my profession. But how can you not root against the Yankees? Sure, if you were the uh, if you were the Yankees beat writer, right, or but- or the Indians uh, studio host or whatever. Yeah, maybe I could see uh, you probably shouldn't be openly rooting admitting one way to or another. One yeah, and yeah, one. yeah. But you are Jake Scott in Salt Lake City, Utah. You and your grandfather was drafted by the Reds. There's no better a reason to cheer for a team in a series. And even if that reason were, oh, I like the color red, so I, I want the Reds to win. That's fine. That's too. a reason. I it, I can't be alone in that. Where I find every game I watch, I find a reason to root for one team or the other. It's just boring well, otherwise. Why would I, you watch it? Yeah, people in uh, – I'm not specifically talking to Gordon here because he would rebut this point. But mm-hmm. uh, people say, oh, just watch for the beauty of the competition. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. It's it's the ultimate soap opera, and you're into it like the uh, the rest of us. We get emotionally attached for one stupid reason or another, and it makes it interesting. Yeah, even if I start the game watching it just to watch a game – by the end of that game, I know I'm I'm pulling for one You're side pulling, or the other. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like last last night, I wanted the Heat, and oh, that's yeah. because I really dislike the Lakers, but also because they're the underdog, and I traditionally go for underdogs. But you're you're rooting for one team or the other. Yes. Coming around during the game, I don't know if I've done that all that often, but I guess even in Rocky Four, the Russians uh, came around <laughs> to cheer for Rocky. That's right. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, some breaking NBA news real quick before we get to Austin's list. Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting, after a rapid courtship and negotiation, Doc Rivers has reached an agreement on a deal to become the next coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Had the ink dried on his pink slip yet? No, they... That was fast. You know what, though? That he Doc is a better fit than Mike D'Antoni would have been. Okay. I don't know why Philly was so interested in Mike D'Antoni there, because they really would have had to make some significant roster changes. If he was hired as a coach. Well, Philly is in a position where I rarely feel this way, but they were in a position that they needed to make a name be this head coach. They had to make a name higher here that would also have a chance of producing results because they've got some guys that reportedly aren't liking each other very well right now that their entire franchise depends on them panning out in the future together. Yeah, they needed a voice. They yes. needed somebody that, that can come in and run and a locker room. And I'm not sure the fifth guy on Popovich's coaching tree under Brent Brown was going to get that done. Yeah. Well, anyway, I like that fit better than Dan Tony. Now I'm trying to decide where I'm rooting for Dan Tony to fit, to uh, grab a job because it's, it's apparent he's interested in one. I bet he gets it. New Orleans? Uh, or Oklahoma City? 
do you go with D'Antoni in a rebuild like Oklahoma City? Probably not. And I know they made the playoffs, but I mean, uh, Sacramento are they going to get rid of Walton? Well, they should. That would be a real Sacramento hire to put put a coach like D'Antoni in a bad position like that. And Chicago made their hire. So I wonder. Not, Does, the, not the Clippers. Although the Clippers apparently are interested in Ty Lue, which doesn't make any sense because he's on Doc's staff. I mean, you just keep Doc. That's a, Yeah, well, except Ty Lue never has an opinion or a thought. He just lets the coach, the players coach. Which I guess maybe is what they're looking for. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But there you go. Uh, Doc Rivers on the move. He's going to be the next head coach of the Sixers. And you're right, Austin. I think he was out of work for like a day and a half. Yeah, it was less than 72 hours. Yeah, yeah. Good, to, good to be Doc. Hey, he's... He's got a track record. There's there's no doubt. All right, let's get to Austin's list. We do it every Tuesday and Thursday. This is a list you don't want to be on. Uh, Austin keeps an enemy's list, and we find out who he adds uh, uh, a couple times a week. Other than the baseball teams that just decided not to play in the playoffs that were swept, there's like 17 of them already. Uh, I know it was best of three, but you had at least three teams I know that were swept. The Reds, the Indians, the, Ray- the Blue Jays, uh, your uh, Minnesota Twins. Boy, are they terrific. Minnesota, as you mentioned yesterday, 18 18 straight playoff losses. No, today's uh, person that gets on my list is a man named Ninos Barcham, 39 years old of Bradford, Ontario. Okay, Canada, eh? Uh Uh-huh. This man is celebrating a double dose of luck after winning not one, but two lottery jackpots over the last three months. In the last three months, Ninos Barcham has won $75,000 in a Lotterio drawing in June, and on September 17th, he won another cool $75,000 in the Daily Grand drawing there in Ontario. Quote, this is my second major win this year, Barcham said. He said he had not expected to win his prize so soon. When I realized I won big again, I just started to laugh. It's wonderful and unexpected. Barcham said he bought his ticket from the Circle K store in Maple. And this guy's making the list? He's making the list. Because what has he done that I ain't done? Why does he deserve to win two lotteries and I deserve to win no lotteries? In fact, I live in a state that hears me say the word lottery and sends police to my home just to make sure I'm not playing the lottery. Uh So that's Ninos. You don't deserve... You Fine. Win it once. Go ahead. Win it twice in three months, and then to laugh at me? It says here he laughed at me, Jake. His quote, when I realized I won big again, I just started to laugh at Austin. I added the at Austin. But it feels like he was laughing at me. So I am... Uh, before I say this, uh, let me say I, I, I wish there were a lottery here. Seems like a, an, an interesting way to uh, raise revenues for you know good things like education. All joking aside, I'm with you. Uh and it, when I've bought lottery tickets in my life, which honestly isn't that often, it's always been a cute kind of like, oh, ha, 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 let's see how it goes, right? And I never understood the people who were believing that they'd win, like actively, you know, buying as many tickets as they could or whatever. I never, I never thought that. I thought, oh, this is all cute and fun, like playing Keno at the buffet. Like nobody actually wins. But it's just something, right? You got 12 you know? minutes. Why not? The, yeah. This, though, a guy actually winning twice. See, this this just adds fuel to the fire of people thinking that they're going to actually win. And I don't know if that's really a good thing. It's not. It's a terrible thing, <laughs> especially because I'm not the one that won <laughs> right. twice in three months. 
Now, I've got to admit, I, I am surprised by the people that will drive an extraordinary distance just to buy a lottery ticket. Well, you gotta uh, you gotta pay to play or or play to pay. What's the, you gotta be in it to win it? What's the town in Idaho that's like its economy is founded around Utahns coming there for Idaho for <laughs> yeah. lottery tickets? It's not Pocatello. Is it Malad? Uh, Malad, may, no Malad. I think it? it's Malad, the the town that in the Idaho town that's like the closest to the border. They're like uh. the they're like Wendover, but for lottery tickets. Like you're just passing the Utah Idaho yeah. sign, and that's the and first that's little gas Malad. station. Yeah, right. And Interesting. That, that gas station is, you know, probably. Yep, Malad. You're right. Is it's right? right there on the border. Malad. In I fact, know. the D of Malad on this map is in Utah. So. Yeah. See, there you go. So that's that's Idaho, or that's lottery ticket country. There's just there's nothing there but gas stations selling lottery tickets to Utahns. Right. That's no, it. No, you, you know how uh, like beach communities they have you know in season or whatever where they're they're busy and the and all that and then it's like a ghost town during the winter right. or whatever. That's that's Galveston, most, Texas is very much that way. That's yeah. that's Malad during lottery season. <laughs> it's just tumbleweeds. It's like a just a bustling town. <laughs> And tumbleweeds the rest of the The year. rest of the time is just nothing. <laughs> okay. The whole economy uh, is based on lottery ticket season. But, but could I, you know, could I maybe get a, a, a free coupon for a, a Happy Meal at some point? I'm not asking even to win the lottery. Let's start someplace. <laughs> and this guy wins the lottery meal? twice in three months. No, I, I, buy a, I buy a burger at a place and I get a Band-Aid in it. No, I'm... I'm I really am a sucker for those promotions, like those. The I don't even know if McDonald's does the Monopoly anymore. But you remember back in the they day, they did until someone cheated. Is that what it was? Yeah. Remember back in the day when you'd peel back. I I never completed the Monopoly ever, or even ever came close. But when you got it's that, it was like, impossible. When you got that free large fry or whatever, oh. when you peeled that off, it was like oh, you just won the Super Bowl, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And my McDonald's intake. Went up by ten times That's just right. to get that that one large French <laughs> yeah. fry, but it worked, and it was a great feeling. Like, oh yeah, McChicken sandwich. I drank so many Code Reds in high school, and I hated the thing. <laughs> I hated that drink, but every now and then I'd get that free Code Red on the bottom of the lid. <laughs> good, good. I hated the drink, good, but I got a free one of it. Good marketing works, people. For every thirty I bought, I got a free one. My brother, when he was in the fraternity, the uh, the Miller High Life used to have a thing where if you collected uh, the <laughs> if you collected the what do they got the barcodes off of the the box know, twelve packs or uh-huh. whatever you know you get enough points <laughs> you can trade it the in UPC for something. code or whatever yeah. yeah and so he would just he was the, what they called the house manager at the time which basically meant you just clean up all the time. And so he, I don't, I can't remember how many beers it was supposed, but he got one of those cousin Eddie hats, you know, with the ears, and the and they're like houndstooth kind of hats. They oh, have with the, the fur, yeah, thing? yeah, and and it, but and then it just says Miller High Life on the on <laughs> okay. the front. It's it's amazing, <laughs> but I can't remember. It was something like you had a thousand beers or something like that to get a that hat. thousand yeah, beers. Yeah, something just nuts. For but a, he, he spent like a year cutting out those boxes and for just, a hat. Miller High Life spent. Twelve cents, right? Acquiring exactly, unbelievable. I thought that was good dedication on his part. Sam Amick and his livers, right? Well, he didn't. That's the thing. (laughs) He didn't have to consume a thousand beers. He was just picking up garbage. So you didn't have to, but he did. Yeah, but he did. No, (laughs) I don't think so. Anyway, all right. Coming up next, Sam Amick. Stay tuned. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone.